Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, California, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And from the coordinator's room, it's the coach, Corey Burton. What's going on, gentlemen? Uh, exciting new show. Uh, glad to be with you guys for another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. And Matt, uh, professor, I can't wait till you join us here in Nashville uh, here this weekend. So uh, looking forward to seeing you, buddy. And uh, let's get this thing on the road. All right, yeah. Well, we can't get it on, on the road unless we introduce the third amigo from the second city, a man who appreciates a good calzone. It's our intrepid blogger from the Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, you said get on the road. Exactly. I am uh, taking, uh, taking a little travel time, making myself a nice long weekend to visit some family. And then uh, Saturday morning, 11 a.m., I'll be in Kinnick for – the uh, my two children squaring off the hometown team versus the alma mater always difficult. I'll probably do what I normally do, and that's wear nondescript clothing with a uh, subtle alumni pin for Wisconsin. But sit on my hands for two hours. <laughs> well, uh, we'll definitely be talking more about the battle for the Heartland Trophy later. But you know, it's a week eight, and we've got basically one massive game when Texas A&M heads to Tuscaloosa and then a lot of other intriguing matchups across the country. So let's get it started off like we always do with some quick slants. Josh, you're up first. Yeah, my quick slant is, uh, first one is just about the Big 12 uh, lack of expansion. And, uh, you know, this is such a tough, tough issue because we've only had two playoff tournaments and the Big 12 made one of them. So they're batting 500. So do they panic and add a team? Do they stand pat and then five years down the road, the conference implodes? It's, it's a very precarious situation, but to me what's intriguing about it is I feel like they have one of the worst possible leaders to be overseeing this extremely difficult period in their conference history, and that's Bob Bowlesby. And he was the athletic director at Iowa uh, brought in Steve Alford, who was a disaster, um, really kind of let Alford get away with player misconduct off the court. He uh, brought in Ference, but that was like the emergency option. He did not even bother to interview Bob Stoops. He wanted Bob Stoops to come to Iowa City rather than going to meet him. So that got bungled. Then at Stanford, he uh, he brought in Harbaugh. I'll give him that. That was his one stroke of genius, an entirely uh, terrible career. And he also oversaw the NCAA committee the year that people said it was one of the worst constructed tournaments of all time. So if you're looking for your leader during a difficult situation in a business, in a conference, in a school um, and you look over and you see Bob Bowlesby, bad things are going to happen, and 
I just am very, very curious if we'll be talking about Big 12 football in five years, 10 years. We might not. Yeah, I don't, I don't see 10 years. Five years maybe, but not 10. All right, Coach, uh, what's your first slam for the week? Well, my first slam of the week is going to come from the ACC. Uh, Louisville versus, is going to be hosting NC State. That'll be a uh, 12 noon Eastern time game. Uh, it's going to be an interesting contest because really, uh, NC State, the way they've been playing the first month of the season, they, they've made it. Uh, games with uh, Clemson and Notre Dame, they, they beat Notre Dame in, in a monsoon. They, um, NC State is making this game uh, more interesting than it probably was uh, when the schedule came out back you know, in the spring. And, uh, and Louisville is also making this game interesting because I don't think anybody saw Lamar Jackson uh, have the season that he's, that he's having right now. So um, I, I think for, for Louisville to, to stay on track and uh, to not let NC State get in here and upset them is that they just have to kind of do what they do. You know, Lamar Jackson's going to get his yards. Uh, just got to take care of the football. And, and play and play good, deep, good, sound defense as they've been playing all season long, and they should be fine for NC State. What they have to do um, is they have to find a way to grind the tempo of the game way down. Louisville likes to go fast. Lamar Jackson likes to likes to have everything up tempo. He likes to he, he gets in a rhythm. If you can disrupt that rhythm, hit him a few times, slow the game down, control the ball on offense. I think you have a good chance. I think you have a good chance in, 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 in beating Louisville. So. Uh, if they can, if they can prevent and limit the possessions for Louisville, uh, I think NC State has a good chance. Otherwise, I think it's going to be Lamar Jackson is going to have a big day. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the latter there and say Lamar Jackson is going to have a big day. But I think NC State makes it intriguing because of the possibility of what they can do. Um, but I can see this thing getting ugly pretty quick. Yeah, I think that NC State is so emotionally drained after last week's loss at Clemson, just the way it happened, that I don't know if they're going to be able to get back up for this game. Um, Well, my first slant uh, starts where else but in the American Conference, where there are two big matchups. Friday night at 7 Eastern, conference leaders South Florida head to the Illidale, where they will be squaring off against a Temple team whose only two losses are at Penn State and at Memphis. Uh, So they have a – um, Temple has a really solid rushing attack behind uh, tailbacks Jihad Thomas and Reichwell Armstead, both of whom have over 350 yards on the season. Temple has a 17th defense nationally, but actually South Florida has a number 15 offense nationally with 506 yards per game. So it's going to be a, a real good matchup there when uh, South Florida has the ball. Um, obviously, that South Florida attack is led by Conference of the Year candidate Quinton Flowers. He's basically Lamar Jackson light in Tampa. He's thrown for 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns to go along with 650-plus yards on the ground with seven scores. Alongside tailback Marlon Mack, this offense is potent by both land and by air. However, that's where sort of the good news is going to end for South Florida, who's gone 96, who's now 96th ranked in total defense. Lucky for them, Temple is only 91st ranked in terms of total offense in the country, but somehow they're number 54 in scoring. How do you account for that discrepancy? They've got the number two special teams unit in, by efficiency in the country. Great field position makes for short drives. And so I think that Temple is primed for the upset here and will take down the Bulls.
The other big matchup in the conference this weekend is a West Division battle between Memphis and number 25 Navy midshipmen. Memphis looks strong under first-year head coach Mike Norvell, uh, and he just celebrated his 35th birthday, so happy birthday, Coach Norvell. Um, and he can definitely going to be celebrating in style. His Tigers are 5-1, and 2-0 in conference, and their only loss coming at Ole Miss. In Navy's last game, they pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the year over number 6 Houston, 46-40. The last scheduled game was supposed to be against North uh, sorry, East Carolina, but it was postponed during the Hurricane Matthew. So coming into the game, uh, Navy's definitely going to be well-rested. Uh, but as far, as far as I'm concerned, this game is a toss-up. But I like Memphis just a little bit on the road. They've got a more balanced offensive attack, ranking 46 as opposed to Navy's 81st. And defenses are basically a wash with Memphis at 56 and Navy at 63. A lot of this game is going to be on the shoulders of Will Worth, the quarterback from Navy. Um, he's also their second-leading rusher. Interesting statistic with him, though. He has 102 carries on the season for only 288 yards, only 2.8 per carry, much down from uh, Keenan Reynolds over the last couple of years. Uh, Memphis's first starting... Uh, uh, first-year starting quarterback uh, Riley Ferguson has definitely impressed uh, both the fans and the coaching staff stepping into the shoes of Paxton Lynch. He's completing 66% of his passes on the season, has a 2-to-1 touchdown interception interception ratio. Uh, running back Doroland Dorsius leads a balanced rushing attack with 427 yards and 7.2 per carry with five touchdowns. I'll take the Tigers in a surprisingly high-scoring game on the road, 44-38. to all right, Josh, your second slant looking at a couple Thursday night games. Yeah, I am. There's uh, there's three games tonight, and while most eyeballs will be on that big one in the ACC up there in Blacksburg, uh, I want to talk about the two undercards. Uh, the first one is a night game, and that is BYU heads out to the Smurf turf at Boise State. Boise, of course, 6-0, 14th ranked in the country with Houston's loss and already ranked ahead of Western Michigan. It seems like Boise is now in the driver's seat to be that group uh, of five spoiler to uh, to maybe make one of the big, big-time bowl games just outside of the playoffs. And maybe with some incredible luck, they could even slip into the playoffs. That seems helpful. Uh, but they got to be focused on this when they host BYU. BYU, of course, is four and three. But all of their games – were decided by three points or less. They could have beaten Utah. They went with that gutsy call for the two-point conversion in the closing seconds. So uh, this is a really good Cougars team despite having three losses. And then the other one, this is right up against the ACC game, but make sure you flip back and forth between ESPN and ESPNU because that is Troy. The Troy Trojans, I have them in my poll People are probably wondering why, and it's really simple. They beat a pretty good Southern Miss team in Hattiesburg. They went to Clemson, and they acquitted themselves quite well, losing a six-point game. That was one of those games where people were wondering what in the world was wrong with Clemson. I think you can easily switch around and say, wow, that Troy team is really good. Um, But they face a pretty tough back end of their schedule if they're going to win the Sun Belt and end up going 11-1. and one. And it starts tonight at South Alabama. I know the Jags are only 3-3, three and three, but they played some pretty good football. And, of course, they picked off San Diego State, a team that all three of us absolutely love. So uh, let's see if Troy can uh, keep up the hot start from the first half of the season and the second half down there in Mobile. 
All right, Coach, uh, what's you got for your second slam? Well, I'm going to go to the SEC, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preview the, the, the Bulldogs, not those Bulldogs. Um, it's a game that <clears throat> generally wouldn't get much attention, but, uh, you know, Georgia's off, Florida's off. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the other big conference games here. But uh, for Mississippi State, they're looking to to, um, to bounce back after an overtime loss out in Provo. Um, and Kentucky is actually uh, coming off a of bye week. They, they're three and three right now with a win over Vanderbilt, and uh, two teams that seem to be uh, sort of heading in the right direction. But they're 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 pretty equal. And I, I kind of wanted to to preview this. This game is going to be at uh, Kentucky in the Commonwealth, so fans are going to get a chance to uh, to uh, tailgate at the uh, the horse racing, get, uh, go go bet on some horses. Um, but uh, what you need to know here is, is uh, for Nick Fitzgerald, he needs to have a, you know, he needs to have a good, uh, a good game here. He's thrown for 998 yards, touchdowns, and four interceptions uh, on the year. Um, he's going to have to kind of put the team on his back uh, this week, and I, I think that for Mississippi State, what they're lacking is that one guy that's just going to step up and lead this team. You know, a lot of it's not scheme wise because they have a good scheme. A lot of they, they have the talent. They've recruited well enough. I, I just think right now they just don't have any leaders. Um, and for Kentucky, uh, Mark, Mark Stoops is. Uh, we kind of we kind of thought even at the beginning of the year, uh, their first couple of games, we thought maybe he was going to be in SEC. We, we were going to change a pick to to him being first fired, but apparently, to be that's uh, not going to happen. He's, he's heading back in the right direction now. Uh, he has through as uh, he hasn't had Drew Barker um, for three of those games, um, but uh, you know Stephen Johnson has to be better than that. Uh, but you know, I, I think uh, if you look at the advantages, if you kind of if you kind of match them up, you know, you look at offense, you got to give the edge to be State. Um, you know, they have Nick Fitzgerald and, and Fred Ross. That's you know, if they can, if that going away or they should be just fine um defense there's not really an advantage here uh i would probably have to go to the home team because of the home crowd uh kentucky somehow uh still gets behind the football program uh, maybe they'll trick them into thinking that they get free basketball tickets if they go on saturday night but i'm, I'm gonna give the edge to kentucky's defense uh special teams austin manis um he's five of six on field goal attempts with a long of 46 so that dreaded third that dreaded third phase of the game, you got to give the edge to Kentucky. Um, you know, again, uh, you have a crowd that's excited to be there uh, coming in from Keeneland, um, and you got to and, and you have Mississippi State that can that can often and and if you watch this Mississippi State team, they often get lulled into sleep. There are stretches of games where you know they're on fire, and then all of a sudden they fall asleep for. For a little while, and then when they fall asleep, they get down and they get down big. So, um, if Mississippi State can stay stay awake and get past the crowd and uh, get past the the point of being on the road and function and and have Nick Fitzgerald put the team on his back, I think they'll be fine. However, my my uh, my prediction is going to be Wildcats are going to come out victorious. They're going to be uh, they're going to be on their way to be becoming bowl eligible. So, give me the Wildcats on this one.
Yeah, I you know I feel bad for this Mississippi State Bulldogs team. Uh, this is their fourth game out of the last five that's on the road at LSU, at UMass in a strange game, the home loss to Auburn, at BYU, and now at Kentucky. They've got to be exhausted at this point. So, um, well, for my final slant, uh, we're, I'm going to take a look at the Pac-12 this weekend. There are a couple of divisional matchups that could go either way, along with a couple of potential blowouts. Colorado-Stanford is one of our spread formation picks for um, this week, so we'll be skipping over that game for the time being. And start Friday night where the hobbled Oregon Ducks travel to Berkeley to take on the Golden Bears of Cal. Both teams are coming off rough losses last week with Washington putting a good old-fashioned beatdown on the Ducks in Eugene, 70-21. to Sunny Ducks squad lost to a hapless Oregon State team, 47-44, in their last game two weeks ago in overtime. Two different offensive philosophies at work here. Both teams like to go fast, but Oregon uses the run game to open up the play-action pass, while Cal is just going to go bombs away right away from the beginning. Davis Webb will continue to look for wide receiver Chad Hansen, who's one of the best stories in college football this year. Neither team has any defense, and I'm personally hoping that both teams to be in the 50s or 60s or 70s. The over-under is 87 and a half. It's the highest of any game yet this year, and I'm really tempted to take the over. Staying in the north, conquering heroes Washington will defend their home turf from a swarm of beavers who lost a tough one in a home game against Utah last week, 19-14. to Oregon State has looked better of late, but don't get it twisted. This game should be over by halftime. Washington, in my mind, is the number two team in the country, and Oregon State is still one of the worst Power 5 teams. Washington is 37-point favorites in this one. Now, that's a Kansas line right there. Wazoo heads to Tempe in an interdivisional matchup between the Cougars and the Sun Devils. The Pirates gang, after starting 0-2, have run off four straight impressive in an impressive fashion luke falk has had his worst game of the season last week against ucla but still had 261 yards arizona state is very up and down team this year and seems to be the norm under coach bluetooth they have impressive wins against ucla and texas tech but they also lost to usc and got killed by colorado last week in boulder 40 to 16 and now we're all big fans of wazoo here and i believe that we all had todd graham first coach fired in this conference Luke Falk gets back on track. Should be an easy win on the road for the Cougars. Finally, keeping it in the South Division, the Utes face the Bruins in Pasadena on Sunday afternoon. UCLA has had a rash of injuries and defections plaguing this season, and they've lost two in a row on the road. Uh, finally, a home game for the first time in a month. UCLA needs to win this one in order to stay in contention for the Pac-12 South title. Utah has been the class of the division so far at 3-1, and one, but look very shaky in their, in, uh, at best in their win uh, over Oregon State last week. Both teams are banged up, and neither offense seems to be clicking right now, so it might be another low-scoring affair. I'm taking my homer pick UCLA in a mild upset 20-14. to All right, guys. Um, well, now that we've done our slants, it's time for us to get to our new favorite segment, our... It's a trap! That's right. It's, our, it's a trap of the week. This week, Oklahoma at Texas Tech. It's a night game in Lubbock. Weird things happen out in West Texas at night, don't they, Josh? You know, concede that Lubbock has had some magical night games in their history, but, uh, you know, I'm looking at the 124th-ranked scoring defense for the Red Raiders, allowing 40.2 points per game, and I'm sure a listener is uh, turning us off in anger, thinking, oh, Texas Tech's in the Big 12, they face all those good offenses. That's the thing. They haven't faced any of the really great offenses yet. They gave up 68 to Arizona State. They gave up 45 to Louisiana Tech. They gave up 44 to Kansas State. They gave up 48 to West Virginia. And then even more scary, West Virginia shut them 
down offensively. They only put up 17 against the Mountaineers. The Mountaineers held them to about, I think it was two and a half yards fewer per play than they do on average. And as special a story as West Virginia's been, let's be honest, Oklahoma has better athletes than the Mountaineers. That's a scary proposition for, uh, for the Pretty Boys team. Coach? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I just think right now, you know, what I said about Oklahoma earlier in the season, um, I think something's clicked over there in Norman, and I think they're a lot hungrier now um, that they feel like they – I think they feel like they understand that, hey, even though we dropped a couple of couple of embarrassing games, we still have a chance of winning this conference, and, you know, they, they still have their eyes on the, on the Big 12 title, and, and here they go. Um, I, I think that they can – you know, they feel like that if they – win in dominating fashion with the way the season's going, they might have an outside shot of even sneaking into the playoffs because um, you never know with, with what's happening. The two-loss team could sneak in there in that fourth spot. So um, <clears throat> Samaj P. Ryan, you know, uh, Joe Mixon, uh, that whole crew. Uh, I've never really been a believer in Baker Mayfield, but, you know, he's starting to kind of, kind of play above his head a little bit. And, and uh, despite it being a night game in Lubbock, which is always a recipe for a potential disaster for opposing teams, um, I, I don't think there's going to be much of a trap here. I think I think Oklahoma's going to handle Texas Tech pretty easily, and I think they're going to stick to the, the scoring average that Texas Tech has been allowing um, over the course of the season. So I, I think they're going to score about 45 points. I think the defense is going to hold Texas Tech to about half of that. And uh, the Sooners are going to walk away victorious and on to next week. All right. Um, well, let's head into our uh, uh, deeper dives on the bigger games of this, of this <clears throat> week. So it's time to drop back and hit some deep roots. Uh, we're going to start with the biggest game of the weekend, which is, like we said before, without a doubt, in Tuscaloosa. The number six Texas A&M Aggies take on the number one with a bullet Crimson Tide. Kevin Sumlin has won in Tuscaloosa before, and Trevor Knight obliterated Alabama in the 2014 Sugar Bowl, throwing for 348 yards and four touchdowns. But that was then, and this is now, and Alabama seems to be the best team in the country going away. Coach, what will it take for a Texas A&M upset? Well, it's going to take Trevion Williams doing what he does. He averages 117 yards a game. It's going to take him. Uh, it's going to take him running the ball and, and trying to trying to limit their possessions. It's going to take Trevor Knight uh, completing a higher rate of passes. He's only 53.4 percent on the season, so it's going to take him being more efficient. Um, it's going to take. Uh, Miles Garrett and Deshaun Hall getting pressure on the, on the, on Jalen Hurts, who's, um, who's been very good. Um, the, the quote, uh, one of the quotes I've seen, uh, that kind of sums up this matchup, uh, Kevin Sumlin said, with the NFL draft, I was hoping half of them would leave, but they stayed and they're playing at a high level. So, um, you know, you, you have a quarterback, a freshman quarterback that comes in. He's, uh, he's, he has a 63.5% completion percentage. Um, he's throwing for about 198 yards a game. He has nine touchdowns and only three interceptions. Um, he's doing so to uh, a trio of, or actually a pair of targets, Calvin Ridley, uh, 39 of those catches, and our Darius Stewart for 26 of those catches for uh, not a lot of yardage, but he is slinging the ball around the yard. Uh, an opportunity for Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and even uh, both Barbara a year, uh, a year ago, a week ago against Tennessee. So, um, you're looking at this Alabama team who every year you, you, you try to, every year people try to pick apart why they're not going to be as good, but they always kind of just reload 
and keep trying to, uh, you know, prove prove that uh, otherwise. But if you look at some of the defensive ranks, or look at just some of the ranks uh, for uh, some of the categories for the for the Aggies, uh, they're number twelve in turnover ratio. They're number twenty-two in scoring defense and number seven in rushing. So, um, you know, that's when you look at their offense. So. You know, Nick Saban described their offense as very high-powered and balanced. That's the scary part. You know, a lot of these high-powered offenses are through the air, but a has been able to do it on the ground as well, and they've been able to do it extremely, extremely well. And uh, it's going to be, you know, if th- this game should live up to the building of game of the year in the SEC. Um, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes on it. But, you know, uh, to give a prediction, I think just because – it's a home game for the Tide. I think they will come out ahead. I don't think it's by a whole lot, but I, I do think they'll they'll have the edge with the home crowd in Tuscaloosa. All right. Uh, Josh, what do you think about this matchup? Well, you know, I'm looking for looking for a reason for A&M to hang around and maybe steal it on the road. I think that favors Alabama that it's at, at Bryant-Denny. But um, And I think I found one. And it has to do with you look at who they've played. So let's stack up the Alabama seven and zero versus the A and M six and zero. And Alabama crushed USC, but what has USC really done since? So that game not exactly that impressive. Then you have Western Kentucky. Then you have at Ole Miss, where they barely won. And you can say Ole Miss is the best three loss team in the country. Okay, that still means they have three losses. Uh, beat up on a MAC team in Kent State, uh, beat up on Kentucky, uh, won at Arkansas by 19, and crushed Tennessee. And here's the thing. We haven't played any good defenses. USC is the best defense they've faced at 44th in the country. A&M, they beat a full, healthy UCLA team. So that one is still pretty impressive. The Bruins are an unknown quantity right now due to the injuries. They beat an FCS school. I'll throw that out. They won at Auburn. Auburn's now nationally ranked. That's getting to be a more more impressive victory as the week goes on, as the season goes on, excuse me. They beat Arkansas by 21, so a uh, bigger margin than what Alabama did. Uh, They beat South Carolina, which is an improving kind of rebuilding team. Kind of throw that one out. And they beat a full-strength Tennessee team before they had any of their injuries, admittedly not by as much. I actually think when you break it down, AM's six and zero has been a little bit harder to attain than Alabama's seven and zero start. So, uh, coach laid out some good players and, and why AM is going to hang around. And I have one more to add. I said that Alabama hasn't faced a defense. Kevin Sumlin's found himself a defense this year. They are nineteen point two points allowed per game. That's twenty second in the country. If this was in College Station, I would pick the Aggies in the upset. Since it's in Tuscaloosa, I'm going to say Alabama survives on maybe a late field goal or touchdown. But this is going to be an epic. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Uh, Josh, you talked about that defense, especially when teams have beaten Alabama before and, you know, during this uh, Saban dynasty, they've done it so by using good defensive line play. Texas A&M has one of the best defensive lines in the country. Um, well, let's move on to the battle for the Heartland Trophy in Kinnick Stadium this weekend. Josh, you're going to be there, like we said before. So what are you going to be looking out for between the Hawkeyes and Badgers? 
Well, Iowa's offensive line really, really struggled to start the year. And then at Minnesota, they kept three of their starters, but switched their position. And the mix-up really helped. Iowa moved the ball a lot better. They only scored 14 points, but they had a couple drives stall in the red zone and settled for field goals. If they had switched those to touchdowns, they would have blown out the Gophers. And then against Purdue, they were incredible. Here's the problem. I just mentioned Minnesota and Purdue. So as improved as Iowa has looked, this is by far the best defense they have faced all year. And it might be the best defense they face all year, period. I know they have Michigan in a few weeks, but uh, Wisconsin's defense is truly something special. So I'm not sold yet that Iowa's offensive line can hold up well enough in order to get that run game going or give Beathard enough time to throw. And Wisconsin's offense has improved every week, and it was really impressive how crisp they looked against Ohio State. So I, I think the Badgers will win it. I don't know if they'll blow them out, but it'll probably be an efficient and when we look back on it, maybe even, dare I say, an easy win, even if it's not a blowout. Coach, uh, you got anything to add there? Well, I mean, you know, I- Iowa hasn't really done themselves any favors here, um, you know, struggling the way they have. But, you know, I-, I think it's one of those things, once they get back on track, they should be, you know, they should be pretty pretty good. Um, and talent-wise, you know, when we were doing the previews and stuff, we didn't notice that, you know, things – we're going to be the way that they have been, you know, for both teams. You know, we thought Iowa was going to have the extreme upper hand here. We thought the Badgers were going to just kind of struggle and hope to give people fits. But, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been the opposite uh, effect. And, you know, I think that, you know, after watching both of these teams and just kind of looking at both of these teams, I haven't watched Iowa as much as I have uh, Wisconsin because um, Wisconsin's been – more readily available on TV uh, than Iowa has for me. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you got to look at what Alex Hornbrook's doing. Um, you got to look at what Paul Chris has been doing with this team. And uh, this offense has been playing at a level that, that they, that no one was really expecting. So um, I like the Badgers in this game, uh, even though it is at Kinnick. Um, it's a noon game at Kinnick and, and Iowa's just been, I, they've they've been kind of having the same problems that Clemson's having, except Clemson has been uh, winning at a higher clip or higher rate. Um, I should, uh, you know, Iowa just hadn't been able to uh, to shake off the ill effects of of essentially sleepwalking through uh, a lot of opponents. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried about a Badger letdown, but I think that Paul Crest will keep you know his eyes on the prize and he, have the team really focused in on you know just. Uh, winning, winning out and seeing let the chips fall where they may. Well, I can't imagine those players would, you know, be looking past us or having a letdown. I mean, remember, Wisconsin should have beaten Iowa last year. Mm-hmm. They had a, get those fluky uh, red zone turnovers. Yeah, that, that's right. That ten to six ugly, ugly game when Stave fumbled at the one. Um, yeah. Well, um, we're going to head to the Group of Five game of the weekend, which is in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where the surprising Eagles of Eastern Michigan are five and two. Josh, you had them as one of your top pleasant surprises in our last show. Do you think they can hang with the big boys uh, in the Broncos in this game? Well, you know, I've been looking at the Eagles' schedule, and that's the problem. Um, the five and two is admirable. But when you really break it down, they beat an FCS school. 
They beat Charlotte, who is a very, very new program. They barely beat Bowling Green, but Bowling Green is just terrible this year. Bowling Green is one in six and has given up 77 points twice on the year, and Eastern could barely beat them. Uh, they had a nice win last week at Ohio, and they also beat Wyoming, who's doing some nice things in the Mountain West. So they have a couple couple nice performances, but Western Michigan's beaten two Big Ten teams. You know, Western Michigan took Central Michigan to the woodshed, and the Chips were what we had as the second-best team in the league. They went to Akron last week. The Zips have been playing really good ball and they beat them 41-0. Western Michigan is just in a different, different class with David Carell, that incredible quarterback that they have. And then they have Jarvion Franklin, the league's best running back. And, you know, he keeps putting up these 200-yard days. He might surpass Danell Pumphrey as the best group of five players. So I, I, I think Western will, uh, will win this with ease. They're a 23-point favorite for a reason, uh, but that does not take any of the shine off of Eastern Michigan's vast improvements they've made this year. Coach, what do you think about this one? Quarterbacks there uh, for Western Michigan. Zach Terrell and Corey Davis, you give them two an or. Um, You give my man, uh, the running back, Franklin, you give him an or and say, paddle away, I think that, uh, you know, when they start rowing the boat there, um, I think it's going to be too much for uh, for Eastern Michigan. I think it's going to be one of those where um, Eastern Michigan is, is, is a great story, but I think they're getting ready to run into a buzzsaw here with Western Michigan. I think they're, you know, they just, they play hard, they play fast, they play physical, they light you up on offense, and there's not really much more uh, preview-wise. I mean, I, I could sit here and and watch film and break down a whole bunch of things with these with these two teams. But I think it's going to come down to the fact that, uh, you know, you always got to go with P.J. Fleck and you always got to go with uh, with the boat rowers. All right. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to agree with you there, Coach. I think that this one could get, um, you know, could get out of hand relatively early. Uh, let's head to the top game in the Big 12 this weekend where the uh, Horn Frogs uh, face off against the Mountaineers in Morgantown. Josh, you're not completely sold on this West Virginia team yet, though, are you? No, but I think this is the week that I am going to become sold on them. Uh, TCU got embarrassed against Oklahoma. And then at home, you know, I know that it was only a six-point game, but it just felt felt like Oklahoma had the upper hand for most of that game. And then they traveled to Lawrence and barely escaped. They had the bye week to try and get back on track. But West Virginia hosts this game. West Virginia finally has some attention. They'll be dialed in. I didn't look because I probably should have to be more prepared, but – it's that time of year that teams are having homecoming, so it wouldn't surprise me if this is the Mountaineers' homecoming. So I doubt they'll have a letdown uh, after such an uh, impressive road victory against the Red Raiders. What I love about West Virginia is, first of all, they found some really good defense. I know Holgerson's one of those coaches where we always were a little skeptical of his commitment to defense. They're 25th in the country this year in scoring defense. 
allowing 19.4 per, and then the balance. We talked about that uh, last week. You brought that up, Professor. Their balance is incredible uh, with 16th best passing attack and the 30th best running attack. You have to love that. Uh, Skylar Howard is playing a lot more under control. When we did the preview, I talked about how he had an insane amount of interception in league play and non-conference, like the bowl game against teams. I know he's got eight touchdowns to four interceptions this year, but his completion percentage is through the roof. So even though his, his interception to TV ratio isn't sexiest in the world, I'm looking at that completion percentage a full 12 points higher than it was last year. His yards per attempt is way up. Um, I think the interception number is going to, by the end of the year, look more like 20-some touchdowns to like five or six picks. I think he's just had some fluky interceptions here early in the season. Coach? Well, I think, you know, at the beginning of the season, I was saying that Dana Holgerson was a uh, was a candidate to possibly be one of the first to be fired in this conference. Um, had it not been for Charlie Strong, I probably would have gone with Dana Holgerson to be the first to be fired in this conference. But um, what's impressed me about him is it is the word uh, starts with a D, ends with the defense. Um, he found defense um, in Morgantown, which is something that that teams that Dana Holgerson teams hadn't always had. You know. You had Carl Joseph, you had, you know, good defense in spots, but overall as a team, you know, they haven't experienced the success that they're experiencing this year. And when you score at the clip that they're scoring, um, it tends to go hand in hand. You're undefeated because, well, not only are you smacking teams in the mouth defensively, but you are lighting up the scoreboard uh, on, the, on the other end. So, you know, I, I've been thoroughly impressed with this West Virginia team. Um, I didn't mention – uh, about TCU being one of my more disappointing teams, but they are. They were on the list. They just didn't make the. They just didn't make the cut for air um, as far as me talking about them. But I am extremely disappointed in uh, doing what they brought to the table. They showed. They showed a uh, what I thought was a lack of guts against uh, you know against Kansas. You know to come out, especially after losing the way they did, uh, and uh, just completely going against what you believe TCU to be. So I like the Mountaineers here. I, I think TCU is just having one of those mediocre seasons, and they're just a, you know, a mediocre – they're not a mediocre team, but they're playing like one, um, and it's disappointing. So I'm going to go with the Mountaineers here. I think they're going to win by a couple of touchdowns. You know, I think that, um, you know, Skylar Howard, like you mentioned, Josh, is definitely going to be the key to this game. He's been outstanding this year. And he's so much more efficient than he has been in the past. Um, well, we can get to our final deeper of the week, um, and it's another rank versus rank game in the SEC West. Burt Bielema takes the Hogs down to the Plains, which should be quite a high-scoring affair. Both of these teams are – uh, both these teams are looking better as the season progresses, but neither team has much of a defense right now, do they, Coach? No, they don't. Uh, they don't. Um, and I think I finally just unmuted. I think that uh, I did that whole last segment. I think I just went on and on and on about how good West Virginia was and how impressed I was with them. And I don't think I don't think any of y'all heard any of that. So, um, but I'll con- I'll continue. Um, 
What I like, I, I like the resiliency of this Auburn team because it, it started out the season uh, that it looked like they were going to be, you know, the laughing stock of the SEC West. And we were thinking Gus Malzahn might be, might be on his way out. And uh, they couldn't find a quarterback. They had three of them. Uh, and when you have three quarterbacks, you especially really don't have one. So um, for Arkansas, um, again, thought it was going to be a rebuilding year. We keep talking about them week in and week out. Uh, Sean White is actually uh, 92 of 132 for 1,187 yards and six touchdowns. Um, the only reason those numbers are seen as low as they are is because he didn't score a whole lot at the beginning of the season. They've scored a lot uh, lately, so um, he's kind of getting his touchdown numbers back up, but he's always thrown for a good bit of yards. Then you have uh, then you know the running game, uh, and uh, you know it's just. Both these teams are playing extremely physical. Auburn's defense um, was, you know, they were they were they're, they're becoming the strong point of the team. Which you didn't you weren't sure if they were going to be the strong point of the team. They have the talent. They definitely have the talent, especially up front with Montrevious Adams. But you know, it was just one of those things where if they could only just start to click, they would be okay. Um, but look for that defensive line to be bolstered by Montrevious Adams and the offensive line issues we talked about. Arkansas could be exploited. So uh, I, I think your matchup's going to hinge on what the Hogs can do up front offensively, what the Tigers can do up front defensively, and then, uh, you know, vice versa, obviously, uh, when the teams trade possession. So um, I like the Tigers here. I think they're trending upward. I think Arkansas is playing at a high level, and this is going to be a really good game, a really good matchup. But I think, I think Auburn's going to come out ahead because it's on the plains, because they just seem to have the momentum right now, and they just seem to be finding it. They seem to be clicking, and, they, and Sean White seems to be the quarterback that everybody wants to have. So, um, long story short, um, give me the Tigers. All right. Um, well, Josh, how are you feeling about uh, you know Burt's Hogs? Well, I, I do really, really like this Auburn team. They're up to the 11th best defense in the country in terms of points per game, just 16 allowed per. Um, and they held Clemson to 19. They held A&M to 29. That's pretty good. But I think what's, what's interesting is how are they having the stats this low? Well, they locked down Arkansas State. That's a Sun Belt team. They locked down LSU. That was before Les Miles got fired when they were being super-duper conservative. They held ULM to seven, t- seven points. They're one of the worst teams in the country. And they held Mississippi State, who Coach talked about some of their issues, to just 14 points. So they feel a little bit like Northwestern a year ago. And Northwestern had a top 10 defense, but it really only showed up against really bad offenses. And I'm not sure that the Auburn Tigers are ready for an Arkansas offense that is really, really talented. And it's not, the way we normally would associate an Arkansas team of having a talented offense. They're getting some incredible passing offense from 
Allen. There's like 20 Allens, but I always forget which one it is. This time it's Austin Allen. He's got a 63 completion percentage, 18 touchdowns to six picks. He has quietly been one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. If you line up the quarterbacks in the SEC, he's probably, what, maybe third, fourth at the lowest. He's been incredible. So the passing attack is very, very strong. But the running game, while not as amazing as previous years with Bielema, and we do have to say amazing because that's sort of what we expect from a Bielema team, there's still a pretty good rushing attack over four yards per carry as an entire team. Uh, Raleigh Williams, the third, has a 5.6 average. He's got almost 800 yards so far on the young season. So if you extrapolate it out for the the rest of the five games, he's for sure going to be well over 1,000 yards. He's got five touchdowns. He's having a very, very nice season. And then Jared Cornelius, my goodness, he looked like one of the fastest players in the SEC. But, again, we don't really think about it because this Arkansas team is just sort of floating around. They're still, you know, they were winless in the SEC until they beat Ole Miss. But I think that Ole Miss game woke them up. I think they're going to go onto the Plains, beat a ranked team on the road, which is something that uh, that Bielema has actually done. People don't realize this because I know he's only been there a few few years, but he has had some really nice road wins in the league. I think Arkansas gets it done as much as I really have enjoyed the strides that Auburn's made. The, the Hogs just impressed me so much against the Rebs. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm with you there, Josh. I think I'm going to take Arkansas as well. Well, we got to uh, quickly get through our spread formation so, Josh, you can hit the road. So, uh, coming to the week, Josh is leading the way at 16-18-1. Coach, you and I are doing not so great. You're 12-22-1. I'm 11-23-1. Uh, you and I, Coach, are both off of one and four performances, me for back-to-back weeks, and we all got burned by Kansas again. Uh, so here's the week's lines without any further ado. We'll start in the Pac-12 with the previously mentioned Colorado at Stanford, where the Cardinal are two-point favorites on the farm. Well, I was trying to find out if the uh, the week-to-week starting linebackers or starting cornerbacks for Stanford were back against Colorado, and I can't find it. So if I can't find it, that probably means they're still out again. If they're out. Colorado's going to blow them out. I'll take the buffs. Coach? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be uh, – I think I'm going to take Colorado. Um, not to blow not to, uh, not to blow them out, but I think I'm going to take Colorado here against Stanford um, because uh, just Stanford just seems to be off. Yeah. And I, that's, really, that's really the best way I can explain it. They're just off. So, uh, give me the buffs. Uh, they got a big commitment this weekend from KD Nixon. Uh, actually, yesterday, KD Nixon, uh, big time playmaker at receiver. So uh, things are looking up. Buffs. Definitely. Uh, uh, let's make it a sweep for the Buffs. Uh, next game, Cincinnati hosts ECU in the battle of teams who are winless in the American Conference. The Bearcats, two point favorites at home. Josh, who are you taking? Well, it's a very, very different form of winless. Uh, ECU is rebuilding with a new coach, Scotty Montgomery. Cincinnati's going through the motions. The Tommy Calverville, a coach who uh, seems like he's trying to get fired. Um, I would rather go with it. I think it's easier to get out of a funk when you have a young coach who's hungry, 
rather than an old coach who is just shrugging his shoulders and saying if he's on the hot seat, he's on the hot seat. Tubbs has been pretty dismissive of the whole situation. And the Bearcats thought they had the talent to compete, and now that they're eliminated, almost completely eliminated from even making a bowl game as the way they've performed lately, I think that ECU's going to be a little hungrier, so I'll take those points because I think my Purple Pirates come through with a big road win. All right, Coach, how do you feel? Well, dadgum. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Purple Pirates as well. I I think that they are – I think they have a higher ceiling than Cincinnati. I think what you see with the Bearcats is what you get, um, which is not a whole lot. Um, and I'm, I've never really been a huge fan of Tommy Tuberville, um, so – I think that East Carolina is just one of those programs just kind of trying to figure themselves out. So uh, I'm going to go with the Purple Pirates as well. All right. Yeah, uh, again, uh, I'll take the Purple Pirates as well. But I am a little bit more tempted by Cincinnati than you guys seem to be. Uh, next, 2-4 uh, and four, Michigan State is somehow a favorite on the road in College Park where the Terps await, but they are coming off an ugly loss to Minnesota in a battle of backup quarterbacks last week. Josh, you fearing the turtle? Well, here's the thing. If you're a casual gambler, stay away from this game. Just don't bet on it because we don't know what Maryland's going to bring. I can't find an injury report saying Perry Hills is playing. They keep saying he's day-to-day, but he wasn't even suited up last week, and he was allegedly day-to-day a week ago. I think they're hiding the severity of that shoulder injury. I don't think Perry Hills plays. If Hills doesn't play, Maryland can't move the ball. If they can't move the ball, they can't score. And if you can't score, you can't win. Michigan State covers. All right, Coach. Well, the most points wins. Get out of here. Um, I, I think even if he does play, I think uh, just him not being 100% is going to be all the difference that Michigan State needs. Uh, Sparty needs a spark. And so they're going to have to get back on track somehow. I think they start this week on the road at Maryland. All right, I'm I'm taking the I'm taking the Terps at home. Um, I just think that uh, you know Michigan State is such a mess right now, and I don't know if they know what's wrong. I think this is a prime situation for Maryland to uh, you know take advantage of their weakness. Um, in our last ranked matchup of the week, Ole Miss heads down to Baton Rouge to take on the Bayou Bengals, who are five and a half point favorites at home. Uh, Josh, uh, you you sticking with Coach O? No. One of my themes for my poll this week was looking at teams who were ranked who beat up on nobodies and then no show against good teams. And LSU fits into that category. They're four wins. They're four wins of Jacksonville State, Mississippi State, Missouri. And I love I love the sound effect from Huck of dismissing those teams because I'm dismissing them too. And then Southern Miss a week ago. There are two opponents that are actually have a pulse. They scored a grand total of 27 points against them. LSU is just not a good team. They're still not a good team. Ole Miss gets back on track because I still feel like Ole Miss is the best three-loss team in the country. Coach? I mean, I, I think Ole Miss is going to get back on track. They're extremely talented. They have a lot of playmakers, a lot of weapons everywhere. Um they got upset by by an Arkansas team that's really good, really physical, and, and that's just kind of how the way you play it. You know, if you can if you can bring a, a physical up a contest to to uh, Ole Miss, then you have a really good chance at, at winning. 
the freezer. Um, but uh, I'm going to go. Coach? Oh, um, all right. Coach, we lost you there for a second. Oh, I'm, I'm taking this. You're taking Ole Miss? All right. Um, yeah, I think that LSU has problems uh, covering tight ends this year. We saw that in the game against Wisconsin. Troy Fumagalli tore them up. Ole Miss has the best tight end in the country and Evan Ingram. I expect uh, two touchdowns from him. Ole Miss by 10. Uh, finally, it's our favorite time of the week. Time to play Pick the Ridiculous Kansas Line. If you'll remember, two weeks ago, we picked TCU to annihilate the Jayhawks, and yet they only came out with a one-point victory. Then we didn't take the beta against Baylor, and guess what happened? Baylor covers by halftime. This week, the Pokes are heading up from Stillwater to Lawrence and are giving 23 and a half points on the road. Iowa State, led by Mike Gundy, um, is coming off a bye week after consecutive home wins against Texas and Iowa State and should be well-rested. It's a lower line than usual, Josh, 23 and a half. Where are you heading? Well, I think I know what happened with our Kansas pick a week ago. We did not factor in the oval track around the stadium correlation. So Kansas at home has lost by 16 and won and won a game. And on the road, they've lost 43 to 7, 55 to 19, and 49 to 7. This game is in Lawrence. The 10 people in the crowd, combined with having to watch and walk across a track, is going to distract the folks. And Kansas is inexplicably going to only lose this game by 21. All right. Coach, how you feel? Well, I think Oklahoma State's going to be upset that they have to walk across a track and, and take those extra 10 steps to get so I'll take them to, to annihilate them by 30-plus. All right. Um, they have the Big 12 in their sights. Um, they can to make Bedlam the Big 12 championship. So uh, give me the pokes to win by 30-plus. I'm someone who always, always, always backs Coach Gundy. I love Coach Gundy for some reason that I cannot explain at all. Um, He's a man. Josh, I think you may you may have swayed me with your Kansas home track advantage, and so because of that, I am taking Rock Chalk Jayhawk to cover, baby. All right. Um, well, I well, I got some inside information too. Uh, I got a really nice email from Coach David Beatty, but he is a big fan of the show. He listens to us, and when he heard my uh, when he heard my claim that Kansas was going to beat Texas straight up. He told me that they've abandoned game tape on any other opponent. They're spending from now until November 19th just game planning for Texas. That's it. That's their bull game. He wants to make me look good. So he said that they're going to do it for me. That's a very, kind of, that's very kind of him. All right. Yeah. Well, that's gonna- it was a, that was a complete lie for any of the ink single – I don't know why a Kansas fan will listen to our show because obviously they're not football fans, but also we rag on their school all the time. Yes, but we, but we secretly kind of love them. Um, yeah. Well, that's really going to be it for us today here on Illegal Motion. So on behalf of the coach, Corey Burton, in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger, Josh Cook, in Chicago, Illinois, this is the professor, Matt Perkins, saying so long and see you next time.
on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.